Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Oh, it was a brutal day for Colorado. Oh, fah, brutal day. I mean, it was bad. It, even the, even the uh, liberal justices were, were calling uh, BS on Colorado's claims to keep Trump off the ballot. It was bad, bad day. And I listened to the entire Supreme Court case, all of it. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And this will shock you. I hope you're sitting down. I know you're going to be shocked. I warned you. No criminal charges for Joe Biden over classified documents. Even though he had classified documents, no charges. No criminal charges against him. So the question I asked last night on X, which is, will there be charges against Joe Biden or will he have Democrat immunity? Turns out he has Democrat immunity. No criminal charges. That's breaking news. It just came out moments ago. So there you go. Shocking. No criminal charges. It's classified documents for thee, but not for me. Or for me, but not for thee, or whatever the term is. So, I mean, come on. That's the least surprising thing of the day today. Special counsel says Biden willfully retained the documents. Still broke the law, but, you know, sorry, he's a Democrat. It's, it's all right. It's cool. You're a Democrat, it's fine. If you're a Republican, they're going to raid your house and they're going to take your stuff and they're going to charge you with a federal offense. But that's the difference. And tell me this government's not weaponized. Tell me we don't live in a police state. Tell me that the government does not use its powers to punish its friends and protect its enemies because it's exactly what, what we have in this country. It's exactly what we have. And I know, I know, the, I know all the people on the left, are, but, but the difference is, but, 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 and they're all going to give all their reasons why. The difference is because he's a Democrat. That's the reason. That's the, that's the answer. That's the end of it. He's a Democrat and Trump's a Republican, and that's why there's no charges against Joe Biden. So don't be surprised by that. And, and you know, it's, like I said, the least surprising thing of the day. And um, the most surprising thing today uh, that, that occurred was the uh, arguments before the Supreme Court where I was listening to Justice Kagan, Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, and thinking to myself, holy cow. They are asking the exact right questions here. And this means that this case is over for Colorado. And the only question is, is it going to be 8-1 or 9 nothing? 
it may be a unanimous opinion telling Colorado that they have absolutely no right here to keep Trump off the ballot. Let's remember what uh, Colorado's argument is. Colorado's argument is that the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is self-executing. Therefore, the state gets to take it upon itself to decide someone's guilty of an insurrection and then take them off the ballot. It is self-executing. That's their argument. And that Trump committed an insurrection in their eyes, and therefore the state will then be able to take him off the ballot, bar him from running. No different, they argue, than if a state were to bar somebody who wasn't 35 or wasn't a naturalized citizen or or wasn't born in the United States or whatever. And that argument, at one point, even Justice Gorsuch, was either Gorsuch or Kavanaugh, I forget, said, I I don't need any hypotheticals on that. We understand that point. We get that. That's all in the, we get, like, we get get that. I don't need you coming and saying if some 18-year-old filed for president, like, we understand that. Nobody's questioning that. Yeah, the state, the state has the right to reject them. What we're talking about here is a state arguing somebody committed an insurrection and then deciding that they get to keep him off the ballot without any federal charges, without a federal conviction. Because that part of it came up today as well. When I think Justice Brett Kavanaugh asked the $64,000 question, which in this economy would be $64 billion, and just about as much as they want to give to Ukraine. The question of being, look, there is a federal statute on insurrection. Trump wasn't charged with it. Trump wasn't convicted under it. So what are we even talking about here? You know, the the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is actually governed by another part of the 14th Amendment, which gives Congress the ability to figure out how to apply Section 3. And they did. And they passed the federal insurrection statute. And Trump hasn't been charged. Now, I'm waiting, and it may be moments from now until the special counsel lunatic trump obsessed jack smith comes out and charges him with an insurrection and then tries to get a dc kangaroo court to hand him a a guilty conviction and then the states can run around and say well oh now we get to take him off the ballot i mean the special prosecutor is obsessed with stopping trump jack smith is obsessed and his case is going nowhere and when brett kavanaugh asked that question today i realized as much as i'm glad he asked it You know that at that moment, Jack Smith turned around to his people and said, listen, get the charges going for insurrection or giving aid and comfort to those who committed an insurrection. They can always add new charges to an indictment. And that's my concern and has been my concern for some time. I've told you that. I've told you that um, months ago when the Proud Boys were convicted of seditious conspiracy, that that was entirely about setting up Trump to bar him from being able to run for president under the idea that he gave them aid and comfort. Now. A, the Proud Boys did not commit an insurrection because there was not. There was not an insurrection against the United States of America on January 6th. There was a riot, but there was not an insurrection. At no point was the government of the United States of America going to be overthrown. At no point. It was not an insurrection. The Proud Boys did not commit seditious conspiracy, and it was a ridiculous over-prosecution. But prosecutors are famous for over-prosecution, including Jack Smith. Jack Smith is a guy who went after the governor of Virginia years ago, Bob McDonald, and had his case reversed entirely by a unanimous Supreme Court, who said he went way too far in going after McDonald. So the point is that this guy is hell-bent on getting people, and he doesn't believe in any restraints. So there's nothing, nothing I doubt, nothing, when it comes to this guy adding charges. But the big question before the court today There were several. Number one was, what is an insurrection? How do you define it? Number two, 
does the 14th Amendment, Section 3, apply to presidents? And it was Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson who said, listen, if there's any ambiguity with that, don't we have to side, don't we have to err on the side of democracy here? You know, if there's any ambiguity, don't we have to go with that, with the idea that if we're not really sure what the 14th Amendment, Section 3 says, don't we have to go with that notion? And if not, then we got a real problem here. We got a real problem. And then the other question that the court was facing today was, can one state decide for the rest of the country who they get to vote for and who becomes president? Because these 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 presidential elections can be very, very close. And if they're very close like that, well, then that one state may decide. If that happens, then it's a real problem. Then they have decided for the rest of the country. And then the justices went back and forth with all kinds of other arguments, too. What does this mean if one state decides a candidate can't be on the ballot, another state decides he can? Doesn't that become just a, a hodgepodge, a patchwork of confusion? And the, the, uh, the guy who was arguing the case on behalf of Colorado, I mean, he was a, um, a smart guy, no, no doubt about it. But he had a hard time coming back to that point by saying, well, the states have the authority to oversee the elections because they get to decide how their electors are chosen. But he really could not answer the fact that this could turn into a patchwork quilt. Some states have this candidate on the ballot. Some states don't. Some states have another candidate on the ballot. Some states don't. And it'd be a mess for the system. And every justice, including the liberal justices, came back to that point. They really came back to that point. But let me begin with Ketanji Brown Jackson. And she agrees with Justice Kavanaugh's argument while she questioned Jason Murray, the attorney for Norma Anderson and group. They're the group of Colorado voters who sued to try to keep Trump off the ballot. Cut four. From rising again in the context of these sort of local elections as opposed to focusing on the presidency. Well, two points on that, Justice Jackson. First is that, as I discussed earlier, there isn't the same history of states regulating ballot access at this time. So ballot access rules to restrict presidential candidates wouldn't have wouldn't have existed. They wouldn't have been raised one way or another. Right. But I'm not making a distinction between ballot access and anything else. Understood. But the more the more broad point I want to make is that what is very clear from the history is, is that the framers were concerned about charismatic rebels who might rise through the ranks up to and including the presidency of the United States. But then why didn't they put the word president in the very enumerated list in Section 3? The thing that really is troubling to me is I totally understand your argument, but they were listing people that were barred, and president is not there. And so I guess that just makes me worry that maybe they weren't focusing on the president and, for example, the fact that electors of vice president and president are there suggests that really what they thought was if we're worried about the charismatic person, we're going to bar insurrectionist electors and therefore that person is never going to rise. This came up in the debates in Congress over Section 3, where uh, Reverdy Johnson said, why haven't you included president and vice president in the language? And Senator Morrill responds, we have. Look at the language, any office under the United States. Yes, but doesn't that at least suggest ambiguity? And this sort of ties into Justice Kavanaugh's point. In other words, we had a, a person right there at the time saying what I'm saying. The, the language here doesn't seem to include president. Why is that? And so if there's an ambiguity, why would we construe it to, as Justice Kavanaugh pointed out, uh, uh, against democracy? 
Well, Reverdy Johnson came back and agreed Let's with that Let's stop reading. it right there. That point that she makes, if there's an ambiguity, if we're not really sure if they meant to include presidents and vice presidents, if we're not sure there's any question on this, why would the, we then let that ambiguity go against democracy, meaning not allowing people to choose who they want to be president? Think about this now. This is, I mean, look, I'm not a fan of Katanji Brown Jackson generally, but she's 100% correct. I mean, she's really, that, she's 100% spot on there. Her point is excellent. She makes the point of saying, listen, I'm really concerned here that the, why the word president is not there. You know, and I've, I've explained this to you before. I've explained to you that, that if you look at the text of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, it does not list president. It does not list vice president, but it lists electors to president, lists electors to vice president. It doesn't list president. So they knew the word. They knew how to spell. And she's very concerned about the fact that president is not in there. And she has a right to be concerned about that fact because I believe that it's not there because they didn't want the president to be included. The, the guy arguing on Colorado's behalf is going on about how, well, there was a debate, da, 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 that went to back and forth and bada boom, bada bing. And she's going, I get it. I get it. I get all that. I get it. But if there's any ambiguity here, wouldn't we want to side on the democracy side of the of, of the of the uh, the level and not not the other side? Like if we're not 100 percent sure in the absence of knowing for sure, for certain, meaning that the word is there, wouldn't we go with democracy and say, let the people choose? You see, this is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an excellent point that she makes, and she's right, and she's right about that fact. You can debate all day long whether or not they meant to include the president in the 14th Amendment, Section 3. It's my personal belief they did not because the word is not there. But that's an opinion. It's not a fact. It's an opinion. And she's correctly pointing that out. Since, it, since, since we're dealing with ambiguity, since we're dealing with a difference of opinion here, wouldn't we go on the side of giving the people the chance and the choice to make in the election? In the absence of knowing for sure, and the only way to know for sure is if the words are there in the 14th Amendment, Section 3. Because you could go, you know, you, you think about, well, they had this debate, this guy said that, this guy said something else to the other guy, he wrote a letter to this guy, and that guy said something at a bar, and this guy, it becomes like the, t- the telephone game. I don't know. All I know is, in the absence of knowing for sure, don't we just go with giving the people the final say on the issue? She's right. I mean, I believe me, I, I started my day today, as I start most days, by running 18 miles, uh, powerlifting, and swimming 10 laps. And then turning on C-SPAN. Some of that is true. Not all of it is true. I don't always turn on C-SPAN. Some days I don't. Some days I don't turn on C-SPAN to start my day. But I did today. And I turned on right at 10 a.m. when the Supreme Court was beginning oral arguments on this. And I put my AirPods in. And I proceeded to hang a chandelier and listen to the entire Supreme Court case. And I'm happy to report to you that while the chandelier is not yet, the wires are not connected, the chandelier is in place. And the ceiling did not fall down. I'm also happy to report to you that even though the chandelier is not hot, as they say, because I didn't actually wire it yet, it's still in place. It has not fallen down yet. So I'm very happy and proud of myself. Felt very manly. I also took a bunch of light bulbs to the dump today. Old school fluorescent light bulbs to the dump. These are the things that make men feel like men. All right. And I went to Home Depot.
and I got an outlet switch cover and some contractor bags. All while listening to the United States Supreme Court argue this case. And I and then I took a bus. I took a bus today to Camden and got on the train and took the train into the city all while listening to this case because I have to I have an event tonight at the Union League and I don't want to drive home. So I didn't want to have my car here because I'm off tomorrow because tomorrow I'm dri- I'm going to AC. I'm speaking at the Atlanta County Republicans dinner. My buddy uh, Don Purdy, the county chairman, invited me to be a special speaker. They're honoring Congressman Jeff Van Drew tomorrow night. So I'll be off tomorrow and Michael Pelka will be in. So I don't leave my car in the city. I didn't want to, have to come back and get it tomorrow. I'd probably be carjacked by that anyway because I don't get me parking anymore here. So bottom line is that I listened to the entire oral arguments. And at one point, as I was hanging the chandelier, and I heard Katanji Brown Jackson say this, I almost fell off the stool, the ladder thingy, which I did another point, but not for that reason. And I couldn't believe that it was Katanji Brown Jackson making that point. And I said, holy cow, Colorado is really, really screwed here. I mean, they, they, they don't have a chance. And I went, this is great. I did not expect the three liberal justices to ask these kind of questions. And Kagan, Kagan did a great job. I mean, there were a couple of other clips of Kagan. Matt, I think you're still working on getting, I think, at least one more, right? Kagan did a great job today. Believe me, I did not have on my Hellscape bingo card that I would be coming on the show today praising liberal Supreme Court justices. I did not think that. I, when I woke up today and I did my 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 run and my power lifting and I did all those things that I do every day to start the day and... I didn't think I'd be coming on the air to begin by saying kudos to Katanji Brown Jackson and Elena Kagan. And even Justice Sonia Sotomayor asked a really good question today, which we're also going to get the audio of that as well. So I'm telling you right now, Colorado, it's over. It's just a matter of whether or not you get the, uh, the cranky justice to go along with this or not. The cranky justice to go along. Otherwise, it's going to be eight to one. Or if the cranky justice goes along, then it'll be nine nothing. And, 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 and either way, I think the court's going to come around and say what is very obvious here is that if a state can just decide this, then it would be a disaster for the system. And that Congress has to adjudicate this matter, and Congress did. And they passed an insurrection statute. And that's what Justice Brett Kavanaugh points out. So that's the good news. The bad news, though, is that I know right now as we speak that that special counsel is working on adding more charges against Trump. I just know it. I know it in my bones. These people are never going to stop. They are terrified of him and they are not going to stop. They are trying so hard, so hard to stop him. And the double standard of justice, I mean, right now, White House, you know, no charges against Biden for having classified documents, none. Mistakes when packing documents are common, they say. So no big whoop, you know, no big whoop, no charges against Biden, even though Biden was vice president, not president, and had no right to have those documents, none whatsoever. Some of those documents he had as a senator. No ability to declassify them, nothing. Blatant violation of federal law. But like Hillary Clinton, no reasonable prosecutor would bring charges against this man. So we'll just go after Trump, who was president when he had the documents, and former president when he had them in his possession, and had the ability to declassify them before he left the White House, which he claims he did. But for him, we'll pursue criminal charges against Joe Biden. We won't. But here is Justice Brett Kavanaugh on that point that I mentioned. Take a listen. He had the opportunity to call witnesses remotely. He didn't use all of his time at trial. 
There was ample process here, and this is how ballot access determinations in election cases are, are decided all the time. Okay. Uh, second question. Some of the rhetoric of your position, I don't think it is your position, but some of the rhetoric of your position seems to suggest unless the states can do this, no one can prevent insurrectionists from holding federal office. But obviously Congress has enacted statutes, uh, including one still in effect, Section 2383 of Title 18 prohibits insurrection. It's a federal criminal statute. And if you're convicted of that, you are, it says, shall be disqualified from holding any office. And so there is a federal statute on the books, but um, President Trump has not been charged with that. So what, what are we to make of that? Two things, Your Honor. Section 2383 was initially enacted about six. That question right there is great. You don't have the answer, Matt? Okay. Uh, that question was, was great. And it was an excellent spot on point by Brett Kavanaugh. You know, we have this federal statute. Trump was not charged with it. Trump was not convicted of it. So what do you make of that? And there you go. And that's why I'm worried now the special counsel is working on those federal charges as we speak right now. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We're coming right back. A lot to talk about today. This, of course, is the big story of the day. Brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A. VenariaDental.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Yeah, I did not think that Elena Kagan and Ketanji Brown Jackson would be delivering points today that I'd be applauding on the show. I just didn't I just didn't have it on my Hellscape bingo card. But the one thing is that these are very, very unpredictable times that we live in. No doubt. Unpredictable times. Ketanji Brown Jackson, her point destroyed Colorado's entire argument. You know, if there's ambiguity under the question of whether or not the president is included. Oh, look, don't get me wrong. I, I would be happy if Ketanji Brown Jackson was. I'd be thrilled if she was not on the Supreme Court. It's not like I'm a big fan of Ketanji Brown Jackson, but she's correct in this point. And um, she's right. I mean, she's right in what she says here to the Colorado attorney. 
you know, if there's any ambiguity here, you gotta you gotta turn around. You gotta side on the side of the voters. So you gotta give them the, the, the say. And there's a lot of ambiguity on whether or not the president's supposed to be included under the Fourteenth Amendment, Section Three. Now, Biden uh, is not being charged with having classified documents. Apparently, he's saying he didn't remember he had them when he was VP. Biden's also talking to dead world leaders again. I made a joke on Twitter today. You remember the movie The The Sixth Sense? Well, I said it was the the 46th sense because he's the 46th president. The 46th sense, which is that he sees dead world leaders. The kid in the sixth sense sees dead people everywhere. Biden sees dead world leaders everywhere. The other day was Mitterrand of France. Then it was the prime minister of Germany who died. And he's just talking to these dead people. No, it's the 46th sense. It's my new movie that I'm making. So I've got several movies in the works now. Cocaine White House Dogs, Escape from Georgia, Penal Edition, The 46th Sense, which is my heart, my first foray into horror. I feel like I had some other movies too. Now I don't remember what they are. Damn it. We never write this stuff down, do we? I, re- I know you said Basic Instinct 3. Basic Instinct 3. Had, or a second had already been created. But that's the one where I, what, was it, I kill someone, but I... I just remember you had a, a, a scene in there which nobody wants to see. My Sharon Stone-inspired yeah. scene. But what was the basis of why I wanted to kill my enemy? I forget. And I said I kill him. I threatened to kill him on the radio, remember? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> We'll have to go to the archives. So many people I want to kill. I don't even. So, someone will bring it up when you know it gets to them. Road the warrior. Should yeah. Know. Thirty seconds or know. ten minutes from now, depending on if they're listening over the radio or the app. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I was listening to Opelka last night, my last hour driving up to the event. And thanks for joining us last night out in Wayne. We had a great time at Main Point Books. Thank you for coming out. And um, Papa Lee, thank you for the bourbon, brother. That was very nice of you. Gave me a nice bottle of Woodford Reserve, my man. Appreciate that. I drank it on the way home, the whole bottle. And um, it was great, too. So I appreciate that very, very much. Um, it was fun with Terry Hayes last night. It was really fun. But anyway, as I was driving up there, I realized that the 6 o'clock hours, I don't know if you guys started the hour late yesterday or what, but it wasn't until 6.11, I think, that the show came on. Yeah, we didn't start it at 6.11. <laughs> so that means that there's a significant delay on the, on the, on the stream, on the app. Yeah, about 10 minutes, more than 10 minutes. Oof, brutal. Brutal. All right, so let's continue. So uh, once again, I want to play Katanji Brown-Jackson's point because I think it's excellent and I think it drives it home. And again, I did not think I'd start the day today by saying bravo to a liberal justice. But it's, you know, when somebody's right, they're right. You know, I'm, I'm a mature enough adult not actually very immature, but I can say when somebody on the other side of the aisle gets it right. I don't mind saying that. Tanji Brown Jackson is correct in her point. Cut number four. From rising again in the context of these sort of local elections as opposed to focusing on the presidency. Well, two points on that, Justice Jackson. First is that, as I discussed earlier, there isn't the same history of states regulating ballot access at this time. So ballot access rules to ex- restrict presidential candidates wouldn't have, wouldn't have existed. They wouldn't have been raised one way or another. Right, but I'm not but, making a distinction between but, ballot access and no, anything else. Understood, yeah. but the more, yeah. the more broad point I want to make is that what is very clear from the history is, is that the framers were concerned about charismatic rebels who might rise through the ranks up to and including the presidency of the United States. But then why didn't they put the word president in the very enumerated list 
in Section 3. The thing that really is troubling to me is I totally understand your argument, but they were listing people that were barred, and President is not there. And so I guess that just makes me worry that maybe they weren't focusing on the president and, for example, the fact that electors of vice president and president are there suggests that really what they thought was if we're worried about the charismatic person, we're going to bar insurrectionist electors and therefore that person is never going to rise. This came up in the debates in Congress over Section 3, where uh, Reverdy Johnson said, why haven't you included president and vice president in the language? And Senator Morrill responds, we have. Look at the language, any office under the United States. Yes, but doesn't that at least suggest ambiguity? And this sort of ties into Justice Kavanaugh's point. In other words, we had a, a person right there at the time saying what I'm saying. The, the language here doesn't seem to include president. Why is that? And so if there's an ambiguity, why would we construe it to, as Justice Kavanaugh pointed out, uh, against democracy? Well, Reverdy Johnson came back and agreed with that reading. Any office is clear. The Constitution says about 20 times. No, I don't, I'm not going to that. So let me, let me, let me just say, you, so your point is that, it's, that there's no ambiguity. It, with, with, with having a list and not having president in it, with having a history that suggests that they were really focused on local concerns in the South. She's right. I mean, it's there's big ambiguity there. And my because am, what does ambiguity mean? What's the real definition of it? Right. It's when it's when you just you just don't know for sure. The basis of opinion versus fact is you just don't know for sure. If the word president was there written into the amendment, we'd know for sure. In the absence of that, it's an opinion. It's and, and, and opinions are by by virtue of that ambiguous. So, in my opinion, is they did not mean to include president because they didn't put it in. And he's talking about some other guy who argued that it, we did mean to include it because president's an officer of the United States. But that's her point. Somebody else raised the question. So obviously, there's ambiguity. And in the absence of that, in the absence of knowing for sure, you got to go with the people. You got to let the people decide. It's exactly right. I also did not think that I would be saying that Elena Kagan got it right today either. But again, days are full of surprises. I, life is completely unpredictable. It really is. Here's uh, Justice Elena Kagan. Cut five. You know, there has to be some process for determining those questions. And then the question becomes, does anything in the 14th Amendment say that only Congress can create that process? And, and Section 5 very clearly is not an exclusive provision. It says Congress shall have power. But maybe and put m- most boldly, I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. In other words, you know, this question of whether a former president is disqualified for insurrection uh, to be president. Why should one state get to decide? Why, why one state should get to decide who can be president? And that's, and that's, and that's the point. And the, and the guy can't answer that. There's no, there's no answer to that point. There's no follow-up answer to that. And that is that is the issue right there. Here's Chief Justice uh, John Roberts discussing Colorado's argument. Cut number three. The whole point of the 14th Amendment was to restrict state power, right? States uh, shall not abridge privileges immunity. They won't deprive people of property without due process. Um, uh, They won't deny uh, equal protection. And on the other hand, it augmented federal power under Section 5. Congress has the power to enforce it. 
So wouldn't that be the last place that you'd look for authorization for the states, including Confederate states, uh, to enforce implicitly authorized, to enforce the presidential election process? That, that seems to be a position that is at, uh, at war with the whole thrust of the 14th Amendment and very ahistorical. No, Your Honor. First, we would locate the state's authority to run presidential elections not in the 14th Amendment, but in Article 2. And that power is nearly plenary to Yeah, but you're relying on — you have no reliance on Section 3. Is that what you're saying? No, Your Honor. Certainly we have reliance on Section 3 insofar as Article 2 gives states this broad power to determine how their electors are selected, and that broad power implies the narrower power to enforce federal constitutional qualifications. Well, but the narrower power you're looking for is the power of disqualification, right? That is a very specific power in the 14th Amendment, and you're saying that was implicitly extended to the states under a clause that doesn't address that at all. It doesn't address that at all because Congress has the power. And then to go back to what Justice Brett Kavanaugh said, and he's right, Congress did pass an insurrection statute. They did. And Trump was not found guilty of that. So isn't that game, set, match right there? I mean, if if we're going to, again, have this debate about whether or not states get to decide on their own, you know, states get to just make make their own conclusions here, draw their own conclusions And if the 14th Amendment was to restrict states' power and then a state turns around and says, we can, and this is really what what Elena Kagan's saying too, we can decide who gets to be president of the United States. We, one state, we can decide this. And the 14th Amendment was there to literally say that you can't do that. And then they gave Congress the power. Congress passes an insurrection statute. Trump has not been found guilty of that insurrection statute. So that's the end of it. That's the end. That's it. Game, set, match. It's over Goodbye, Colorado. Good night. Sleep tight. It's done. It's not that complicated. And then to Ketanji Brown Jackson's point, if the word president's not there, even if even if you all think he did commit an insurrection, if the president, if the word president's not there, even if you think it's an insurrection, if they didn't put the word president there, then how can you then make that determination if it's ambiguous? Why not err on the side of democracy and let the people decide? So all those things taken together show it's a very, very bad day for Colorado. Here's a little bit more of uh, Justice Kagan to Colorado's uh, lawyer. And again, this is the the question you have to confront is why one state should decide who gets to be president of the United States of America. One state at five. Whether a former president is disqualified for insurrection uh, to be president again is, you know, just say it. It sounds awfully national to me. Um, so whatever means there are to enforce it would suggest that they have to be federal, national means. Why does, uh, you know, if you weren't from Colorado and you were from Wisconsin or you were from Michigan, and it really, you know, what the Michigan Secretary of State did is going to make the difference between, you know, whether candidate A is elected or candidate B is elected, I mean, that seems quite extraordinary, doesn't it? No, Your Honor, because ultimately it's this court that's going to decide that question of federal constitutional eligibility and settle the issue for the nation. And and certainly it's not unusual that questions of national importance come up. Well, I suppose this court would be saying something along the lines of that a state has the power to do it. But I guess I was I was asking you to go a little bit further and saying, why should that be the right rule? Why should a single state have the ability 
to make this determination not only for their own citizens but for the rest of the nation? Because Article 2 gives them the power to, to appoint their own electors as they see fit, but if they're going to use a federal constitutional qualification as a ballot access determinant, then it's creating a federal constitutional question that then this court decides. And other courts, other states, if, if this court affirms the decision below, determining that President Trump is ineligible to be president, other states would still have to determine what effect that would have on their own state's law and state procedure. Well, I mean, if we, if we affirmed and we said he was ineligible to be president, Yes, maybe some states would say, well, you know, we're going to keep him on the ballot anyway. But, I mean, really, it's going to have, as Justice Kagan said, the effect of Colorado deciding. And it's true. I just want to push back a little bit on, well, it's a national thing because this court will decide it. You say that we have to review Colorado's factual record with clear error as the standard of review. So we would be stuck. The first mover state here, Colorado, we're stuck with that record. And, you know, I, I don't want to get into whether the, the record, I mean, maybe the record is great, but what if the record wasn't? I mean, what if it wasn't a fulsome record? What if, you know, the, the hearsay rules are, you know, one-offs? Or what if this is just made by the Secretary of State without much process at all? How do we review those factual findings? Why should clear error review apply? And doesn't that just kind of buckle back into this point? that Justice Kagan was making, you know, that we made with Mr. Mitchell, too, that it just doesn't seem like a state call. Three points, Your Honor. The first is that ordinarily, of course, this court reviews factual findings for clear error, but President Trump made the point in, in his reply brief that sometimes on constitutional questions that require a uniform resolution, this court can do more something more like a Bose Corp-style independent review of the factual record. And we would have no objection to that, given that the record here Really, the facts that are disputed here are incredibly narrow. The essence of our case is President Trump's own statements that he made in public view for all to see. But then that's saying that in this context, which is very high stakes, if we review the facts, essentially, de novo, you want us all to just watch the video of the ellipse and then make a decision without any deference to or guidance from lower court fact-finding? That's unusual. Well, ultimately, President Trump himself urges this court to decide the merits of his eligibility on the factual record here at page two of his brief. He's never at any point in this proceeding suggested there was something else that needed to be in the factual record, any other witnesses that he wanted to call to present his case. And again, the essence of our case is his own statements, and, and, and in particular, his own videotaped statements on the ellipse. Mr. Murray, just to circle back to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to, before we left it, I wanted to circle back to where Justice Kagan uh, was. Um, do you agree that the state's powers here over its ballot for federal officer election have to come from some constitutional authority. All right, now let's stop it right Members there. That's Gorsuch, and we'll come, we'll come, that. let's stop it quick right there. That's uh, Justice Gorsuch, right, Matt? Okay, we'll come back to that in just a moment. That exchange, though, which is interesting, all right, so the idea then is Colorado has decided on its own, and Colorado made this, had this trial, gave Trump due process, and then Colorado decided, and that the Supreme Court doesn't have the ability to turn around and say Colorado was wrong. But that's what Justice Barrett is saying, and really what the other justices are saying, is saying it doesn't, like, like, we don't have to come back and say Colorado's wrong on their facts. We don't have to get into whether Colorado made the wrong call. We just have to determine whether or not Colorado has the right 
to make that call for the rest of the country. And we don't have to get into whether or not Trump actually committed an insurrection or not. That's not what our job is. Our job is to question whether or not Colorado may have got may have may have nailed it in terms of determining that Trump made it ins- got an insurrection. But is that how the Constitution is supposed to work? That a state then has a trial and then holds a finds a, f- a finding of guilt and then that finding then affects the entire country. And the answer to that is no, because it's it's madness to think that a state can do that and just on their own with that power be able to make that determination. It's it's you don't have to get into the nitty gritty of, of how Colorado held the trial or any of the, the details of that. You just have to look at the question of whether or not Colorado can have a trial and determine Trump's guilty of insurrection. But does that matter or is it just a feel good thing? Because even if they made that determination, they lack the authority to make that determination. They lack the ability then to apply that to the rest of the country. And the answer to that is very obvious. They don't have the authority to do that, and they lack that authority for the rest of the country. And that's really the point that Justice Kavanaugh was making. You know, we have a federal insurrection statute. It's there. Why? But Trump was not charged with that. Trump was not found guilty of that. So why are we talking about what happened in a state court? It's a, it's, it's, it's a really important point. I can't stress that enough. 855-839-1210. Listen, McCaws and Lock Service, they are great people. And they are dedicated to helping you with all of your needs. And they're huge supporters of our Travis Manning Foundation Radiothon. Proud once again, as a family-owned business for over 100 years, Tom, Chrissy, and the entire team understand how important it is to support a great cause like the Travis Manion Foundation. So if you've lost your car keys or your key fob is broken, you've got to call McCausland Lock Service. They're the experts you need to repair, replace, reprogram original factory remotes, transponder keys, chip keys, and more. In addition to major makes, they also help you with various BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, and Audi vehicles. And they can help you while you wait. And the best part is they charge up to 50% below what you'd pay at a dealer. They are a full-service locksmith, and they are available for whatever you need. And they are dedicated to delivering superior customer service. Call McCaws and Lock Service today at 610-430-1500. 610-430-1500. Ask to talk to Tom or Chrissy about how they can help you. That's 610-430-1500 or visit them. They're conveniently located on Route 420 in Prospect Park, PA, McCausland Lock Service. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, we got a great cast coming up in just a few moments. And that is uh, Zach Smith, legal fellow at the... Heritage is uh, Edwin R. Meese Center. Look, I, you know, I love this stuff. I'm a, I'm a total constitutional nerd, so I love the Supreme Court stuff. I love the Supreme Court arguments. I told you that. I used to drive around in high school <laughs> listening to May It Please the Court, oral arguments of the 10 most contentious cases before the court when they, you know, had audio recordings anyway. Like, there's no audio recording of Dred Scott, for example. They just didn't have audio recordings back then. But, um, you know, chicks dug it. High school chicks dig it. Cheerleaders in particular. <laughs> what? I, I'd like to think that you like lost a girl and then you like uh-huh. stood outside her house, the boom box, and say, like, and say anything and you, you just play one of those tapes. Play Texas V. Johnson. <laughs> just blasting it, whether flag burning is constitutional or not. In your briefs, not briefs like underwear, but in your amicus briefs. Light the heat. 
your briefs. I am complete. I give you cert. <laughs> Invite me up. Such a nerd. Uh, so anyway, I, I, but I'm thrilled. I'm just thrilled with the arguments today. I really am. I'm, I'm happy. I, again, I did not think I'd, I'd come on the air today saying that I'm, I'm, uh, really happy with the questions that were asked by Katanji Brown Jackson and Elena Kagan. But, um, I, every day is a surprise in this day and age. And I think it's going to be a eight one or, or unanimous opinion. As Sotomayor is a little tricky because she's cranky, but Colorado is going to lose and Trump is going to be on the ballot. And that's the end of it. And that I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you that. But we'll talk more about this coming up straight ahead. Don't go away. we got a big show for you today. So I would stay right there if I were you. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.